Hello everybody, we're coming at you and breaking your hearts like a bracket that just won't stop getting busted. Once again, this is the Pace and Space Podcast. As always, this is your host Calvin, and with me, like always, is my co-host Leif. What's going on, Leif? Man, I'm doing great. Enjoying some of this basketball on right now. How about yourself? Same. I'm enjoying both NBA and college basketball. Can't ignore that it's March Madness right now. Everybody's made their brackets, I'm sure. Hoping that they get the perfect bracket, that one in, what is it, a quintillion chance to have the perfect bracket. But sooner or later, we'll all cry or throw something or get upset because Eastern, Western, Southern Tennessee has beaten some team that they shouldn't have beaten. And then, <laughs> and then we'll just give up. I'm just mad that something like that will happen and then I'm going to act like I care, like I watch college basketball anyway. Right, right. <laughs> well, the one interesting thing about college basketball is that some of those guys, especially the biggest and brightest names in college basketball, they make their way to the NBA. And some of those guys even become the biggest and brightest names in the NBA, right? That's true. So there's a nice correlation there. And we can't talk about the biggest and brightest names without talk talking about the MVP race. Now, you and I, we brought it up off and on the last couple of months, basically saying, like, it's interesting, but Westbrook's going to win. However, we're here in the middle of March, and I have to say, I don't think this is sewn up at all right now. Yeah, it's weird, right? If you were to ask me maybe a couple of months ago, I, I would say it was a slam dunk too. I, I thought Westbrook all the way, and I was saying Harden as the runner-up. But we're hearing a lot of rumblings now. Yeah, and it's it's not even just a two-man race, right? I mean, you have Westbrook, who is averaging a triple-double, is leading the league in scoring, has the highest PER in the league, and yet I can give you some other names and show you their stats, and you have to at least say, huh, yeah, I don't know. Like James Harden, who's averaging 28 points per game, is leading the league in assists, has turned this Rockets team into a three-seed potential Western Conference contender. Then you have Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's having a career year having his best scoring season while still playing good enough to probably be defensive player of the year this season. And he has this Spurs team neck and neck with the Warriors now for the number one seed. And who saw that coming in the beginning of the season either? And when you look at that Spurs team, when you look at the other guys playing with him, you, you have to give so much credit to what Kawhi's doing this year and credit him as the re main reason why they're doing that well. And then you have... The mainstay, the guy who's in the MVP conversation every year, LeBron James. And what did LeBron James decide to do this year at the age of 32? Oh, he decided to have career season in rebounds and assists. He's nearly averaging nine assists a game, averaging over eight rebounds a game. He's never done that at any point in his career before, which is amazing to, to say. And he's doing that shooting 54%, and he's been doing it without Kevin Love. So... How do you how do you separate these guys? So what we have to do, in my opinion, we have to separate into two categories. In one category, we're going to have Westbrook and Harden um, just because they are just playing out of their mind. Um, they're playing amazing basketball. Westbrook is, I mean, I love watching him play. But now in the other category, I think we have to put Kawhi and LeBron. And it's not for any fault of their own. These are guys who, they're just sneaky good players. Mm -hmm. LeBron, I mean, we look at LeBron, let's say, and LeBron does this year after year after year. And if any other player we're doing what LeBron would do. They would probably be the runner-up or be the leading for MVP. But since it's LeBron, it's like we forget 
It's like, okay, LeBron's doing LeBron things. Let's let it go. And I think that's that's disappointing for him. But I almost feel like Kawhi's going down that pattern too. I think like he has to have people speak up for him. You know, no, no, Kawhi, you, you, he's good on the defensive end. Well, you've been doing that. And Kawhi's now scoring. Well, that's Kawhi. I don't know. Maybe because they're not flashy like the Hardens and the, the Westbrooks. But I don't want to take anything away from them guys either. What do you say? I hear what you're saying. I mean, well, first of all, somebody has to speak for Kawhi because I think Kawhi might be a mute. I don't think I've ever heard him speak. So that's one reason. <laughs> I like, that's a good point. I don't even know how he sounds. He's fully, he fully adopted and embraced the Tim Duncan legacy in that he is just this stoic, emotionless person who all he does is just perform at an amazingly elite level but you would never know anything is happening to him in his life if you looked at his face at any point in time is that like a a pop ritual like when you join the spurs he takes away your voice box or something i i don't know i i think you know i think duncan and Kawhi. i think duncan took him back home to to the virgin islands and he just he just showed him his ways one summer (laughs) and they just came back and and Duncan told Pop he's ready and then then that was it and Duncan went off into the sunset he does the same thing Manu does the same thing yeah I mean that's true but I mean Manu he has emotion like even you know back in his heyday he he was a fiery guy he got under people's skin He, he did a lot of the stuff that you wouldn't see from like a Tim Duncan and you know Tim Parker, I mean Tony Parker, he he uh, he does some of the, he he did he was kind of the same way. He wasn't as maybe demonstrative as Manu, but he definitely wasn't the stoic, quiet person that Duncan was either. It's just for whatever reason, Kawhi has like fully embraced and took on that that role, and it, it's just amazing to see how they they've gotten that player again but it's slightly different this time and it's yeah. it's crazy because when you think of san antonio you think of team basketball right that they're they're this collection of guys who you you put them all together and and pop just works his his coach wizardry and, and they turn into a 60 win team but with this spurs team specifically that's not really the case Kawhi is actually carrying this team He's carrying this team the same way you would have saw like Kobe Bryant carry a Lakers team in the early 2000s. Or you would see, you know, like LeBron carry teams that he has back in the past. Just like you would see any of these other superstars do. He, he's doing that this year. He is basically Kawhi, what, whatever you want to call a Marcus Aldridge at this point, and a band of, you know, lovable role players that pop has gotten to play well in his system but that system does not work if Kawhi is not at the elite level he's at don't you agree it doesn't it, it doesn't work but i think that was all part of the plan you have a guy who can fit into the system that tim duncan fit in for so many years and once duncan retired was able to take that leadership role and just flourish. I mean, we all thought that um, Marcus Alters was going to be the one to take that role a little bit, didn't we? We thought that maybe no. he was going to follow that way. You did. Okay. I, I never did. <laughs> I thought he was. I thought maybe he was going to watch this and say, all right, maybe, you know, whatever I did on Portland, let me forget that and let me come over to the ways of pop and just follow the Duncan footprint. But he kind of regressed a little bit. But it seemed like Kawhi he he's following that footstep, so he he's buying in. I mean, the only only knock I have on Kawhi right now is those cornrows, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the best look, but you know if he keeps playing like that, we can't really say too much about them. Yeah, but so, I, I just don't want him to be a thirty-nine-year-old player, and you know, still rocking him. <laughs> We'll see. He's got a lot of got a lot of basketball left before then. Yeah. But you know he. Now, while I'm not gonna say he is the favorite at this point, 
I do think that you have to give him honest consideration when you when you look at the scoring load he has on this team. When you look at the defensive load he has on this team as well, it's not just he. It's not that he's just the best defensive player on this team. He is arguably the best defensive player in the league, and he may, he allows that team to do so many things. He even makes up for the fact that this team is using big men like Lamarcus Aldridge, Pau Gasol, and David Lee in the front court to defend. You know, you put those guys on any of the team, they do not have the deep. That team does not have the defensive rating that the San Antonio Spurs have. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Kawhi on that end. And, you know, Dwayne Dedman as well. He's a he's a pretty good rim protector, rim runner. But, and here they are with all the talk about the Warriors, with all the talk about the Rockets, with all the talk about the Cavs. Here they are, neck and neck with the Warriors for the number one seed the best record in the league and it just seemed like a repeat of last year like everyone was talking about the Warriors amazing season which it was they won 73 games that's amazing it's historic but the Spurs had what the the fifth best record of all time last year too or something like that I'm like that yeah you know, and here they are again Warriors get Durant if, if anything Spurs lost something in terms of star power and they're right back here again. And if the Spurs get the number one seed, I think there's going to be a long look at Kawhi for MVP. Even though Steph won last year unanimously, Kawhi was number two in the votes. So everyone who, after everyone said that Steph was the clear out MVP last year, the majority said the second best player last year was Kawhi Leonard. So if in a in a year where he last year where there was a unanimous MVP he was second, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him get first place votes this year as well. He'll get his first place votes and but when we look at the MVP award we know that it's not a collection of consecutive years. It really is what have you done for me lately. That's and true. That's true. Case, in this case they're gonna look at his body of work this year. If you if you consider you know over the course of this year, last year, then I mean, a case can be made for Kawhi, and it almost sounds like you want Kawhi to get that MVP award. Do I want? No, I don't want him per se to get the MVP award. But you do know I'm a Kawhi fan. I've been a Kawhi fan for a long time. I wish we had a podcast three years ago because, or four years ago, because then everyone would have heard our debate after Kawhi won the Finals MVP that year. You know I've been on. I've, you know I've been a fan of his for a while now. I need to find that conversation. That conversation was awesome. It was a really good conversation. Um, so you know, I I believed in his talent. I, I I felt like he was a burgeoning superstar. He is a superstar now. He he's one of the best five players in the league right now. I would say easily. And he, I, I just think he, I see the case for him, and I wouldn't be mad if he won it, but. I don't think he's ultimately the the most deserving of the award, and it's interesting the way you you sectioned off the four guys, um, how you put Westbrook and Harden in one category, and you said how perhaps they're maybe the the flashier players, but I don't even see it in terms of being flashy. I think of it as you put when you put those two in a separate category, it's because they're in the historic category. What those guys are doing are, is on a historic level this year. What Westbrook's doing is he's already set. His, he's already made history with what he's done. I think he has the most triple doubles, like raw number of triple doubles ever in a season. He's averaging a triple double. He would only be the second person to do that in history. And he's doing that while leading the league in scoring. And he, had, like I said, he has the highest PER in the league. But when you go to Harden... What he's doing is also historic. When's the last time you had a 6'5 shooting guard who played shooting guard his whole NBA career, like in his seventh or whatever this is season, switch to point guard and not only play a, a good point guard, but lead the league in assists. So he's leading the league in assists. He's averaging 28 points per game. His assist percentage is like 50% on the season. He, I think he makes up for like a 
eighty percent of the team's offense or something like that, and in, in certain stretches of games, um, just based on scoring and assist alone. And he's actually taken his game up to another level. He he isn't just that person that is just chucking a three or looking to get fouled anymore. Now you see him finding all these amazing passing lanes, and he's feeding guys where they need the ball. He's he's helped. I mean, what is it? he? He's helped like three or four guys have career years on that team. Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, um, Clint Capella. All those guys are having career years and now playing with with uh, James Harden, and is and they've they went from the terrible season they had last year to now being the third three seed in the West. People even say that this team can give the Warriors a run for their money in a seven-game series because of their offensive power, because of the way they play. And this was also a guy, what was it, not last year, the year before, people felt should have won the MVP over Steph Curry. And here he is. He's had a, a renaissance again after last year's letdown, which wasn't that much of a letdown in terms of production, but in comparison to what he's doing this year and what he did two years ago, it was a letdown. And here he is right back at that top. And I I think he's going to get a lot of first place votes. I think he'll get more than Kawhi, definitely. I don't know if he's going to get more than Russ, but I think he's going to get a f- good share of first place votes again this year. I think he will. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And LeBron is LeBron. You know, Do you have anything else to say on LeBron? I mean, let's face it. LeBron is a great player. <laughs> well, yeah. And and it's unfair because we can we can look at look at Michael Jordan and can we really say that Michael Jordan wasn't the greatest player every season he played? We can easily well 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 not every year, but in the nineties. Well. Yeah. Yeah, but that goes to the crux of this debate. You know, is the MVP trophy supposed to be for the best player in the league? Like, who's consistently the best player in the league? Or is it is it for who in this season has proven to themselves to be the most valuable to their team? Well, if it came, time, if it came down to who's the most valuable to their team, it's Westbrook. Yes, it is. It is Westbrook. Just on the the basic definition of the award, he is the most valuable player to his team. There's no other team that would fare as poorly in the out of these four names as than Oklahoma City would if Westbrook was to leave that team tomorrow. Now I know. Cleveland does not do well at either when LeBron is out. You would imagine that they should do better, especially if Love and Kyrie are healthy, but that hasn't been the case. So people can say LeBron has a case in that aspect as well when you look at his, uh, when you look at the team's record when he's not playing. Um, Harden they wouldn't be as good, but they could probably still be a playoff team. This is interesting. Could the Spurs be a playoff team without Kawhi? Yeah. Think so? Oh, yeah. Well, the Spurs, Spurs would be a playoff team. The Rockets would be a playoff team. And Cleveland, Cleveland probably not, but we, we always say that the reason why they do poorly when LeBron doesn't play is because they don't have a good team. Well, if you're practicing all year with that team and your star player is on the bench not playing for the game, then it's kind of hard to keep that momentum going up. On the other side, I look at Westbrook. Westbrook plays, and at the end of the first quarter, they're up by eight. And he'll rest for the first five, six minutes in the second quarter, and he'll get back in the game and they're down by eight. Exactly, yeah. So, clearly, it's not even a game-by-game thing for Westbrook. It's a minutes thing. 
if he's not on the floor, the team doesn't function. They need him on the floor at all times. So to me, that's valuable. It's very how much, how much more valuable can you get? And it's not like it is one thing if he was on the floor and he had 40, 50 points per game and he was doing he had three assists and a few rebounds. No, he's actually getting his entire team involved. You know, and he's passing the ball. Granted, it's driving and throwing out to the open shot, but still, he's getting his team involved. He's scoring, albeit not at a great percentage. But hey, I mean, if he's carrying that team to this position, so I mean, I don't have any knock on that. I know what Cuban said last week when he said that, well, he's not even going to have 50 wins. Or whatever he said, right, and, and that's true. But can we hold that against him in terms of being valuable to his team? I don't know. It, it that depends on who you ask at this point. Um, you know, right now, their best possible outcome would be to win fifty-one games, but that would mean they only lose, lose two more games moving forward. I don't think that's very likely. So they're they're not gonna finish at fifty wins, but they're gonna get close to it. They're the sixth seed. That is another thing that might hurt his votes as well. You know, the lowest the lowest seed lowest seeded team that had an MVP winner was fourth in like since like the eighties. So that's not working in his favor either. So you have the record, what seed they are, and then you juxtapose that to who else is in this race, Spurs with Kawhi and Harden with the Rockets. Those guys are two of the top three teams, uh, not just in the league, but overall they they have two of the top three records in the league. So people may use that in Harden or Kawhi's favor and knock Russ a bit for that. I don't know if that's fair or not. What do you think? No, it's not fair. I don't think so either. But like we said, in terms of impact and who has been the most valuable, it, it is Westbrook. Um, But is that the definitive definition for this award? That's I think that's the open question. That's the question that we're going to be struggling to solve and answer for a while. And I'm curious to see who wins this award because I think that's going to stir up that debate one more time as to what is truly the meaning of a MVP. Mm-hmm. Is, it the, is it the most valuable player? Or do you want to say it's the best player mm-hmm. of that season? Averaging a triple-double is no easy feat. I mean, we... When someone scores a triple double in a game, we give them such such credit. We're like, "Wow, this guy scored a triple double in a game." But what about for the whole season? <laughs> right, and and it's yeah. it's an amazing feat. It's historic. It needs to be acknowledged in some way, and and you know, it's not even just that he is averaging a triple double. He is. He's averaging the triple-double, but he's also doing it while he leads the league in scoring. And he has the highest player efficiency rating in the league. And he's up there in win shares. I mean, any metric you want to use, he's either the top or in the top three. And it's an amazing season. And without without the season he's having, this team is not even in the playoffs. And they're doing better than just making the playoffs. They're in, they're in the sixth seed. They're actually not that far behind the five, so they could even jump up a couple games hypothetically, or and be one game out of home court advantage. So nothing's out the realm of possibility. I mean, if the Thunder were somehow able to get up to the four seed and leapfrog Clippers and Jazz, I mean, I think that would sew up his trophy right there. But that's a tough ask right now. Yeah, that's a tough ask. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put that out there. I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah. 
five, like four and a half games behind the Jazz, and they're a game and a half behind the Clippers. So five is is within within striking range. Four might be too much. You think if he did that, then it'll be a no-brainer. If he got up to five, yeah, it definitely helps. I mean, he's or he already has the criteria to win the award. Now we're just talking about perception and optics, right? Right. That's yeah. what we're talking about right now. Yeah, that's what we're talking about right now. I, I think that would help. Um I think it's he needs to hope perhaps that the Spurs don't get the number one seed either, or maybe if well, I don't think the Rockets can get the one seed. They're right now they're like Oh no, they can't get it. No. They're like five and a half, six back. That's yeah, that's too far good. behind. But like I was mentioning, the Spurs are only a game behind the Warriors for that number one seed. And I have to tell you, this is very interesting because when we started out this season, no one would have imagined this race would be so close. No, not at all. And we, I mean, yeah, we know, we just said how last year Warriors won 73 and the Spurs had like 65, 66 wins and, and they were an amazing team too. But but this isn't the same Spurs team. They, they've lost some guys. They're not as deep. They lost Duncan. That was a big blow to the team. And they Manu is not Manu anymore. Tony Parker is not Tony Parker anymore. They're relying more on guys like Patty Mills, Jonathan Simmons, Dwayne Dedman to really uh, get themselves to um, over the hump. And for this team to be neck and neck with the Warriors, and yeah, Kevin Durant is hurt, and the Warriors have gone on a little bit of a slide since Durant got hurt, but this still means that the Spurs were keeping a good pace with the Warriors to begin with to take advantage of this opportunity as well. So who do you think is going to end up with the number one seed in the West at the end of the season? The Spurs. Mm. Um, it's right there for the taking. Right now we have the go- the Warriors. They're they're sh- struggling to, to find a way to they're struggling they're struggling to get to the end, aren't they? Yeah, they. It's like they're just looking at their clock. Like when does Durant come back again? But then you even notice even Curry's not shooting well. No, he's not shooting well. The team seems disjointed. It seems like as if the rest of the league is starting to catch up with their game a little bit. Mm. And it's exposing Kerr as a coach a little bit. It's exposing Curry because, I mean, Curry was shooting some some wild shots and they were going in. But now they're realizing you just got to keep a value on him. And that's putting some pressure on him, making him frustrated, making him take more of those crazy shots. We realize a lot of his shots in the past were open. And now a lot more of his shots are contested. So, I mean, you see that's playing the difference. And then this Durant injury really affected their morale. And the Spurs are just playing. They're just rolling. The only thing I worry about with the Spurs is depth. But other than that, I mean, it seems like they're a team that just keeps ticking. And and they got Powell back, too, from his injury. So they have that front court depth again. Guard guard is an issue, especially with Tony Parker being diminished. They have to rely a lot more on Patty Mills. Um, but, you know, they're bringing along Murray. Maybe he's a guy that becomes a more of a key player, even into the playoffs. And he's, you know, he, he's got great height and athleticism for a guard. He's about 6'6". So he's got great wingspan. You know, that's a different look that they haven't always had. And he has a little bit of playmaking ability. He has a bit of point guard capability. Right. So that's a that's a look they haven't always had to have such a, a to have a bigger point guard, you know, that they can put out there on the court. So that's in, that's very interesting. Look, um, yeah, I, I got to agree with you. I think that the Spurs might just do this. The, the Warriors haven't looked sharp and. I think they might even benefit from dropping down to the two seed. And this is why I say that. Tell me. I'm curious. They, two years ago, 
they were the upstart, right? When they won that, when they won that ring, it, it surprised people. They were like, "Oh, hey, look, the Warriors! Wow, they are a really good team." Oh, Curry, MVP. What do you know? And people started. That was when people just started getting used to the idea that the Warriors were a contender, that they were an elite team, because no one saw them that way until then. Then uh-huh. last year, they won the 73 games. They were already the champion target right on their back. Spotlight. This year, they get Kevin Durant. Spotlight again. And I have to say, I have to be honest, I don't think they've handled very well being the team that has the target on their back. I think they preferred being on the other side of things. And that even points to how they came back from that 3-1 deficit against the Thunder. Once their backs were against the wall, once everyone wrote them off, then they found that that energy again, that, that, that drive to compete. And then in the finals, they were up 3-1. Everyone expected them to put things away, and they kind of crumbled. So I think maybe this is a team that wants to be doubted, maybe even needs to be doubted. When you look at the guys on their team, when you look at a guy like Draymond, Draymond, when you look at that guy, you can tell he prefers to be the underdog than the front runner. It suits his persona better. It suits the Draymond Green aesthetic much better if he's being doubted than if he's being championed. Curry, same way. He played at Davidson. People weren't sure if he was going to amount to anything. They thought he was just another one of these you know, sons of an NBA player that wasn't going to make much. And he turned into an amazing player. Same with Clay. No one thought much of Clay. So these were guys that people, none of those guys had the pomp and circumstance even when they first came into the league. Certainly not like a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant or any of, any player like that. They had to earn that spotlight. And then once it was there, they were more comfortable being the ones having to earn it than having to be the ones to sustain it. So maybe dropping down to the two seed, maybe being doubted a bit. Maybe people started saying, oh, look, Spurs are a better team. Maybe they're going to go to the finals. Maybe they need that little bit of a kick in the pants, so to speak, to hit that gear they need to get to. See, that bothers me because I feel like you don't need that kick. You shouldn't. Or, you shouldn't. I agree. You shouldn't. So I'm going to differ from you a little bit. I'm going to say that last season took so much energy out of them. And they put so much emphasis towards the regular season that now they're coming in and got their 73 wins. They burnt themselves out. Because they played, they took two game series last year to the seventh game. Mm-hmm. And so this year they realized, okay, the regular season really is not that important. And so I think they've taken their foot off the pedal. And what we're seeing now is a team who doesn't have the ability to just play average and still win. They're a team who has to be kicking on all cylinders in order to win. And when they're rolling, they're rolling. They're blowing out teams. But as you saw, what was that, last night when they, or two nights ago when they beat the Sixers by two points? It's the Sixers. <laughs> Why are you winning by two points? I think it was like 129 or 127. Even the defense isn't there. Right. It just seems like they're, they're taking it easy. So I wouldn't. So I see your point when you say that maybe they need some opposition, but I think they. I think also too that they're saying this is just a regular season. Let's just play it. When a playoffs comes around, then let's kick everything back in motion again. That's that's possible too. I mean, they wouldn't be the first team to do that, especially a team that has won a championship before. That's been the Spurs' mo for at times the Lakers back in the early 2000s with Shaq and Kobe they definitely did that they kind of coasted in the season, regular season and turned it up in the playoffs so I mean, that could be def- that could definitely be it 
but I, you know, it, it does seem like they're hurting without Durant more than you had you would have expected them to be. And I think you touched on one of the reasons why that is is their defense. Durant was their rim, their rim protector as well. You know, um, maybe people don't think of think of him in that light, but he was playing really good defense for this team. The fact that he didn't have to work so hard on offense, the fact that he kind of could just go with the flow and get open shots very easily allowed him to expend even more energy on defense. And he was, you know, playing that that stretch four, maybe even like a stretch five at times. And he, he was doing a good job. He was averaging over two blocks a game, over two steals a game. And that was something that he kind of finally manifested last year in the playoffs. And that was why Oklahoma City was so tough for the Warriors because they would put Durant in that stretch four role and he would be a, a, a rim protector, a shot blocker. And without Durant, they don't have a shot blocker right now. Um, I guess McGee, JaVale McGee to some extent, but he's not a very sound defensive player. Zaza Petrulia is much better in terms of defensive awareness, but he doesn't have the athleticism to be a shot blocker. Same with Draymond Green. He doesn't have really... He can block some shots, but he doesn't have the same ability to, like that Kevin Durant does because Kevin Durant's like seven feet tall and has like a condor wingspan. You know, Draymond doesn't have those qualities, so they lost a lot on defense as well with Durant out. So I I, I can see where you're coming from, that they maybe they're just, you know, not they're valuing or prioritizing their energy for the playoffs more. But there's a lot of questions right now with the Warriors, and we're, we're going to have to see if they get it sorted out so that they can uh, get back to the finals like they want to. I hope so. I really do. Um, and, I mean, granted, right now they're still the, 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 the odds favorite to get to the finals. Um, but they have a, there's a lot of questions there. You mentioned it, the, the, the center position is very weak. Um, granted, when they go into their lineup, they don't need that center position. But you have teams out there now who are building. And you saw last season, they lost steam when it came time to the playoffs. And I think it's continued on to this season. So yeah. I'll be curious. Um, when, if they catch a red-hot team in the playoffs, whether it's the – the Rockets or San Antonio, and even if the first round, I mean, look at the first round. The first round, if they fall to second, there's a possibility that they're playing Memphis. Yeah. And I'm not going to sleep on Memphis. Nor uh, should you. Nor should you. Yeah, that's a tough defensive matchup. And then you have Marcus All there, and then you're going to ask, you know, McGee to actually do something. Right. That's that's a tough matchup. I mean, it's tough. Now, granted, granted, I know I speak for all mankind that we would love to see Golden State versus OKC round one. <laughs> that would definitely get the rating spike, to say the least. But uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about these potential playoff matches, it. matchups, rather. So right now, as it stands... There, there are a couple of matchups I think would be very interesting. Me personally, that I'm looking forward to. You know, if the season ended today, the Western Conference four or five matchup with Utah Jazz against the LA Clippers, that to me seems like the most interesting matchup in the West. Unless we get Warriors versus Thunder, then that's very interesting, but for different reasons. But I think in terms of quality and perhaps getting the, the tightest performances night in, night out, I think Utah versus L.A. would be a very interesting matchup myself. It would. Utah is a good up-and-start team. Um, and they're playing, man. They're, they're balling. And they're a team, they kind of remind me a little of Memphis in terms of you don't hear a whole lot about them, mm. but you're a team who if you don't prepare for them and you get in there and you, 
you'll be surprised because I mean they're not on TV a lot, but man, they they are balling over in Utah. They are. I, I think the key there is gonna be Gordon Hayward, and yeah, I know that might seem like a little obvious to say because he's the team's best player, but I say that from the standpoint of we haven't seen Gordon Hayward really perform as the star player in a playoff series yet. So this is going to be his chance to show everyone if he can handle the spotlight or not. And if he can, if he's able to be that that offensive force that this team needs him to be in that series against the Clippers, which I think he can be because I'm lo- I'm thinking of who's going to guard Hayward on the other end from the Clippers and I I don't really see anyone that's going to really stop him per se. So if he's able to to rise to the occasion, the Clippers, I think, are going to be in trouble because they have a ton of defensive talent on that team. Gobert is going to be lights out. They have this weird lineup where Hayward can play the stretch four. Joe Johnson comes in and plays the three. George Hill is pretty big for a point guard. He has a good wingspan. So even though they're playing like a small ball lineup, they do have length and size still. And, you know, I, I really... I'm really interested in seeing the Rudy Gobert-DeAndre Jordan matchup. I think the most important player in this series, you did mention Hayward. Um, I think it's Gobert. Mm. Um, you mentioned you, you touched on it when you said that DeAndre and Gobert um, match up. Gobert has the opportunity right now to make a statement, and he's been playing well all season and on top of playing well he's remained healthy which is something we can't say from his previous seasons right I think he's the one to watch out for because I'm gonna make a big statement I think we might be saying in a couple years that he's top three center in the league if not I don't think we can say it now but watch out for him I think you could say it now if you want to I wouldn't I wouldn't be against saying that. And I have to say something else. I think he's gonna outperform DeAndre Jordan in this series. I really you know, do. I, I think so too. You know I think I think DeAndre hasn't had a force like this in the playoffs yet. No. And we haven't really seen him dominate a series that had another center, a comparable center. They Clippers always struggled with the with the Grizzlies, and that's because Marcus Marcus would be too much for DeAndre. We saw what happened when they played the Rockets two years ago, with, and DeAndre went up against Dwight. They ended up choking that series away, and this is a very important series for the Clippers. They have to get out of the first round this year, have to. They have not just Chris Paul, who's up for a new contract. But also Blake Griffin that's up for a contract. And and even JJ Reddick is gonna be a free agent this summer. Three fourths of what's basically been their core the last several years are all up for contracts. And if they lo- if they lose in the first round, I can't imagine Steve Ballmer or anybody in that front office co signing with Doc that they need to bring the band back together. Yeah. I I don't see it. Um, I mean, I've heard Chris Paul's coming back. That makes um, sense. That makes sense. Um, Griffin? Hmm. Mm, I don't see it. I, I can see I can see Reddit coming back. Depends on the money. Yeah, he's gonna ask to get paid. Cause, because yeah, they he he's gonna be entitled to a nice contract. I mean, not a max contract or anything, but he saw what Chris Middleton got. He probably wants some of that action. He's a, He doesn't have the same height as Middleton, but they, they perform similar roles for their team. Good defensive players, really good shooters. He's, I don't know if Clippers are going to want to pay him that kind of money, and I'm sure another team is going to want to do it. There's going to be plenty of teams that have money to spend. So that'll be interesting. And Blake, 
I mean, we talked about this before, but the Blake Griffin, Chris Paul dynamic, it's kind of run its course now. I think you've had more than enough time to say whether this can work or not. And, yeah, there's been some bad player personnel decisions on the on the fringes of the roster. They never really got a true small forward. Some of their bench signings have not worked out. I mean, it's ironic that out of all the bench players they've had, that Austin Rivers is kind of going to end up being one of the best bench players they've had during, over this stretch. Can you imagine that? I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's speaking highly of Austin Rivers or that's just how dire the situation has been for the Clippers. By def- like by default, he's the best bench player. Yeah, like by default, unless you want to say it's Raymond Felton or Lugumba Mute, I don't know. But yeah, it's not Mute. It's, it's not and I think he starts now too, so You mean you mean Paul Pierce doesn't start? Oh man. <laughs> yeah, the Paul Pierce retirement tour. That Draymond Green said nobody's at the game to watch. You laugh. <laughs> You've been watching the playoffs, watch him drink some potion or something. He's going to hit that one shot and he's going to bang his chest and he's going to scream and he's going to say like he did in Toronto, this is what they brought me here for. Yeah, <laughs> and then after he does that, they'll bring out the defibrillator or something to bring him back. I was like, I do. But that's the series I'm interested in watching. You have a series you're interested in? Uh, in the West? Either. Whatever, Either. Whatever, whatever, whatever is popping up, sticking out in your mind right now. I would like to see, in the East, I would love to see Cleveland and Miami. Cleveland and Miami. That, I wouldn't mind that. I would like that. There's a possibility that that can happen. I think. I think that's a, a strong possibility. I. I think. I think Miami is gonna beat out Detroit for that final playoff spot. Yeah, I want to see Dion Waiters, you know, unleash a little bit, and and I just want to see LeBron go back to Miami and. Just have to deal with the booze and. But it's Miami booze, so is that really gonna bother him? Nah. It's not like. Nah. It's not like, OKC booing a player or something like that, or like the Oracle booing somebody. He's probably gonna get more. Applause. He, he's probably gonna get more. Um, anger and tension thrown his way when he, pl- by playing the Warriors than playing Miami. Yeah, but it should still be a good series. I agree with you. Uh, I want to see what that team can do against Whiteside. That'll be interesting. Oh man, that'll be interesting. I mean, they have the answer there, and Larry Sanders. <laughs> okay, I'm like, I was gonna try to say that with a serious face. I couldn't do it. You scared. You scared me for a second, man. You scared me. I mean, if this was Larry Sanders from like four years ago, yeah. I think you'd have a case because he was a really good defensive player. Man, that's crazy how you have a guy, yeah, Bogan, break his leg in 58 seconds, and then a week later you get Larry Sanders from walking off the street, walking on the street, and you say, "Hey, come on in." Mm-hmm. By the way, here's your jersey. First game back. Oh yeah, you're gonna play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about right into it, right? Straight into the fire. I mean, maybe they should have just signed Larry Sanders from the beginning. Yeah. In but, hi- I mean, in hindsight, but that's hindsight. You can't really say much about that. Nah, you can't say it. I mean, uh, but plus, it's Larry Sanders. You know, they didn't want to take that risk. Nah. All right, he brought Bogan in. Hopefully, Bogan can give you a little bit of the playbook from Golden State. That was part of the secrets. So do you want to see this matchup because you think Miami can make things interesting? You think no. he can get a couple games off Cleveland or something like that? Nah. I, I don't. Nah. Okay. Okay. I you think, just wanted I, to I think, I, Yeah, I think it's going to be a quick I think it's going to be a quick matchup 
And then I think the matchup that we really want to see is probably what we're going to see in the second round, um, Cleveland versus Toronto. Cleveland versus Toronto. Yeah, that's going to be a good series. And in the second round, I mean, assuming Toronto gets past the Hawks. I think they could. They should. I think they should. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Toronto doesn't have the best reputation in the playoffs either. No, that's they true, they faltered a bit un- until last year. Yeah, but hopefully you get Lowry back. You have DeRozan. Mm-hmm. You got Ibaka. You got Valanciunas. And yeah. I mean, it can happen. That's true. It can happen. Uh, I there's one other series in the East that I'm interested in seeing. The two versus seven, Boston versus Milwaukee. And my whole reason for being interested in that is Giannis. I want to see Giannis unleashed on this team. Boston has a very strong perimeter defense. They're very good at locking down opposing guards, opposing point guards. But I want to see if they have any answer for Giannis. I'm just thinking about their team. Um, nah. And Milwaukee's a big team. You, I mean, they can create some mis- some mismatches over there, especially if you start off big and then you look at um, Boston and they're starting Isaiah Thomas and, oh, man, Avery Bradley. That's a small team. That's, that's what I'm saying. And Milwaukee, on the other hand, is – the exact opposite. Chris Middleton's back. Now he's he's like six seven, six eight. He's got good size. They got Thon Maker. They got John Henson. They have Giannis, like I said. They they also, and then this one of the shortest guys on their team is Malcolm Brogdon, and he's six five. Yeah, they've that got. Is true. And it's a it's a prototypical Jason Kidd team. Jason Kidd loves these teams. He wants a bunch of guys from like six four to like six eleven with with long wingspans that can just terrorize the other team on defense with with their reach and create mismatches on the other end because that's the kind of player he was. He was a six five point guard. He he created a whole ton of defensive mismatches and then on offense he would back down whoever the opposing point guard is and he's brought that philosophy to his coaching and he's got the players that he needs to do it so they now the bucks they're not a good scoring team and they're not a great great shooting team but getting middleton back is going to help with that a bit because he he is a type of guy that can open up the the offense they've been using tony snell pretty well since they got him from Chicago. He's another guy with, with good size. He's like a six eight small forward. And they they it's gonna be interesting because like you said, Boston, they're a short team. Their their guards are pretty short. Bradley and Isaiah Thomas, they bring Marcus Smart in as well. Um you know, we have to see. I mean they can put Crowder and Jalen Brown on guys like Giannis, but can Horford hold down the paint? That's gonna mm-hmm. that's gonna be an interesting that's, question. That is an interesting question. I don't know. And I think that's really gonna be the key. If if Horford can hold down the paint and you know dominate in there, which he hasn't really done that at all this season for them. He's been a good defender and he's helped stretch the floor on offense, but he hasn't been like a dominating big man presence for them. Yeah, he hasn't. But. I don't know. Was I mean, playoff time coming around, you never know. Yeah, I mean, this could all be for nothing because Milwaukee can shoot like 30% for the series and then it, it doesn't matter. But I, I am interested to see this, and I, I want to see now that Giannis is at this superstar level, this elite level, can he be the best player in a seven-game series? I think he could, and I gave Milwaukee credit because I think it was about mid-season where I just kind of wrote them off. I was yeah. just saying, okay, they're going to miss the playoffs, that's that. 
and then they went on one of these runs that I did not see coming. And now they even have a position to go even higher than a seven seed. So yeah, I I give Jason Kidd credit for building that team. It's a team that, like you said, creates a bunch of um, mismatches, and that's kind of what you need. It is. And it's league. You you can't have everyone. You need to find that player. And I'm especially interested in Thawne Maker. I'm, I'm, I'm something about him. I mean, he, he looks like, you know, Gianna's part two. And. Yeah, some ways. Yeah. I mean, not with all the ball handling skills, but the, the length. If he can learn how to control all those limbs and just get some, get a little, I mean, get more. He's right now, he's very raw, raw. Right. But, you know, if he can get some more polish to his game, it's, they're going to they're gonna be pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. And while they're not built perhaps to be a top four Eastern Conference team right now, I think they are one of those teams that if you get them in the playoffs, now they hit this other level because of those mismatches and because of the way they play. Is You know, they, they're not a great shooting team they're not a great scoring team so you're gonna struggle in the regular season but if you have that defense in those mismatches that's something when you're playing the same team for seven games that's when it can be a real problem for the other team well if boston continues not making those trades and continues not making their team better and continues drafting players you know who are never going to play here in the u.s then there's a quite a it's a good chance that Milwaukee can get there and be in that top four. Yeah, we'll see. But I, for Boston, guys like Crowder and and Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown's gonna have to step up in that series at least defensively, so that Boston can have some kind of size against uh, all this uh, height that uh, Milwaukee's gonna be bringing to the table. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So any any other interesting matchups right now? Um, right now, just looking at it, I think that's really what I see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious I mean, to see what Washington does. I mean, they've been playing playing well. Um, right now, as it stands, they have a matchup against Indiana. Yeah. Indiana has a lot of question marks right now. So Indiana's and, disappointing. Yeah, and and I'm disappointed because in the beginning of the season, I I had them as my sleeper team. Hmm. Um, and I thought that they'll be surprising with a healthy Paul George. They made some good acquisitions in the off season, so I really was was hoping that they would be a better team. But it hasn't all come together for a variety of reasons. I mean, you're hearing all the talk about Paul George leaving, and then you have Nate McMillan which I'm starting not to like that. But (laughs) so, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it could be a good matchup with Washington, but I think this could be a a John Wall coming out party. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I would love to see that too. I mean, not to be forgotten is Paul George. Paul George still has the ability to be the best player in, in that series. And if his team can do just enough, then that's an interesting 3-6 matchup. But uh, I'm actually looking forward to the Wizards getting past the Pacers. I want to see that John Wall coming out party, like you said, because I do have high hopes for them in the second and third rounds maybe too. So that's where my, uh, that's, that's where my bias is leaning. I, wanna, I feel like the, the Wizards can, can give a hard time to the Cavs and the Celtics. So... We'll see. So let me ask you then, are you more interested in what's happening in the East or in the West? Which matchups do you think will be better? Hmm. That's a good question. I think I'm going to have to say that the East might be a little more tougher in terms of the matchups. But I'm also looking at these teams, and I think watching them is going to be harder to watch. Because Atlanta, Indiana, Milwaukee, they're going to have to play real ugly to have any chance 
of beating the other team. Whereas in the West, you might have some nicer watch. You might have you might, you're gonna have some nicer basketball to watch because three six. You have the Rockets versus the Thunder, Harden versus Westbrook. That that would be an amazing series. I I I want to watch that just to see the the two MVP candidates go head to head in a seven game series and their ex teammates. So that'll be interesting. And even though their ex teammates is not with the same animosity as it is with Russ and KD. So you, these are just these are guys that don't have a beef with each other, but they're going to go back and forth with each other all the same, you know? Yeah, I know what you're saying. So that, that's going I think I actually do like that Rockets Thunder matchup. I would I would like to see that. Yeah, I think that'll be a good matchup. I'm I'm kind of leaning towards the series in the East almost. Mhm. Um, because I'm curious to see I don't want Cleveland to just have this easy ride into the finals so I'm curious to see if one of these teams can kick it into another gear come the playoffs yeah the East interests me but the East interests me once we get more into the second round oh we want to see more of that Washington Boston possibility and Mm -hmm. Cleveland Toronto yeah yeah, I can I, see that. I want to see how that shakes out because I want to see what's going to be the path out of the East. I want to see who's going to challenge Cleveland. I want to see if it's if we're going to get a surprise team even come out of the East. And I don't think you're really going to start connecting those dots until the second round. Whereas in the first round in the West, like I said, Rockets, Thunder, that would be very entertaining. That's one of those series that, you know, whoever won that series, I would be happy with. That's fine. Utah Clippers, that's going to be interesting because of the storylines we mentioned and how crucial it is for the Clippers to get out of the first round. But at the same time, this looks like it could be the Jazz's, you know, coming out year, ready to let the the West know that they're going to start competing as a top team in the West. So... We got to see what happens there. And it'll get more interesting in the second round as well in the West. But I think even in the first round, there there's some some interesting matchups with some, I think, with some good back basketball. Because that Rockets-Thunder series, I think, is going to be very entertaining. I think any series with the Rockets is going to be very entertaining in the playoffs. And then the Jazz Clippers series, that's that's gonna be a lot of good basketball being played. The Jazz play really good basketball. Anytime you have a team with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, those guys, you're gonna you're gonna see some good plays. So that in terms of the quality of basketball, I think there's some good series in the first round in the West. And in terms of just individual storylines, I I do like that Milwaukee Boston series because I do want to see what Giannis does in the seven game series, and Pacers Wizards is somewhat interesting because I want to see if Paul George reestablishes himself as a superstar in this league, or if this is just a a continuation of John Wall's declaration that he's going to be one of the top players in the league. Gotcha. I like both, but for different reasons. Well, I'm curious. See what happens. Yeah. We only got a few weeks. We only got a few weeks till we find out. Yeah, not too Started. much remain. Only 15 games left in the season, life. That's nothing. So. 15 games. So, I mean, till then, we, you know, we'll we'll keep seeing how these standings shake out, and uh, we'll keep seeing how this MVP race go goes and things like that. You know, in, in the meantime, everyone get back to checking your brackets. Hopefully, they're still intact. You know, as always, you can find us at the Sinai Reporter website at, at dslreporter.com. And keep on the lookout. There's going to be some new articles coming out um, in the next week or two. We're, we're trying, to, trying to give you guys some more content, so keep on the lookout for that. And you can find us at Twitter. You can find me at Caldan384. You can find Leif at LDB Creations. 
and you can also follow the the, the mothership account uh, at DSL Reporter on Twitter. And if you enjoy this podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on iTunes. You know, whatever wherever you listen, you know, rate and review if you like it. Download it if you're listening on SoundCloud. If you're liking it, give us a shout on Twitter. Let us know that you're enjoying it, and we'll keep it going, guys. So, Leif, anything else you want to say? Man, it's been awesome. I'm truly enjoying to have talking some basketball with you, and I can't wait till next week. Same here, man. All right, everybody, you have a good one. All right, take it easy, everyone.